Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. If you turn your Bibles, if you have one, to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want you to recognize that Easter Sunday is the Super Bowl for the church. It is the biggest day, it is the most important day for the church. One of the the NFL players I've had the privilege to work with, as I I texted him this morning, just said, you know, happy Resurrection Day. He responded to me, he goes, hey, PD, today's your Super Bowl. He goes, it's always good to know that you've already won. Wow, amen. Amen. I think that we need to understand that you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Say it again, PD. You need to understand that you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory today. Amen? In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 18, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Would you bow your heads as we pray this morning? Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start off and just simply let you know this simple statement is that Jesus is alive. I had a Bible college professor that when he went to the Holy Land told me that as all the tours were going into Jerusalem and as they were going over to the gravesite of where Jesus was traditionally laid, that as people were walking in the tomb, they were, they were walking in very hesitant and they were bending in as they were walking through this, this stone uh, cavern. And as they were walking out, they were jumping, they were shouting, they were crying. And he didn't understand exactly what the phenomenon was going on. And he says it wasn't until he got closer and he stepped into the tomb that he looked around and he saw the place where Jesus was laid. He looked at this place, this dark, damp, empty tomb, and he realized that there was no one there. And he says that reality hit him that when he realized that Jesus wasn't there, he too walked out with tears coming down his cheek. He began to cry, began to shout, and began to clap his hands and praise God when he understood that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, but that Jesus was alive. Somebody say amen. And so I need you to understand that Jesus is alive. I need you to understand that Christ has risen from the dead. And I want you to recognize that the book of uh, Corinthians, Paul makes this statement. You don't need to turn there, but Paul is, is trying to explain the power and the importance of this day when he said, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not raised either. And then he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. I'm here to tell you that if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we have no purpose meeting here right now. We might as well shut the door of every church across America, across the world, and go home. Because our whole foundation, our whole belief lays upon the fact of Christ raising from the dead. Amen. 
The world is filled with good people. Good people that have died for people. But it's not enough just to die for someone. It's the fact that Christ gave his life. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. That means he became the molester so that the molester could be saved. That means he became the murderer so that the murderer could be saved. That doesn't mean he took on the sin of the murderer. He became the murderer. He became the molester. He became the drug dealer. He became the pusher. I need you to understand that Christ became sin so that you and I could be set free. That's how much he loved you. Don't get it twisted. It's not about just releasing sin or just coming alive. I want you to understand that when we talk about the word life, everyone say life. To, to the Greek, there's a word zoe, we call it zoe life. But in the, book of Corinth, in the book of Acts, they say that when Jesus rose from the dead, that he presented himself alive. Everyone say alive. alive. That he presented himself alive. That word alive in the Greek is zonta. And zonta into the Greek didn't mean just to have a pulse. There are many people across America, across the world today, that you got a pulse, but you're not living. And to the Greek, life had nothing to do with having a pulse. To the Greek, it was a quality of life. It was having a good marriage. It was having great kids. It was having a good income. It was having a nice family life. It was about having peace in your mind and in your heart. It had less to do with what you owned, but more to do with who you were. That was what Zonta life was all about. To the Greek, it was about quality of life. And it's possible to still be breathing, but be dead. Many people that are alive, you got a pulse, but you're dead inside. You don't know what it is to have love. You don't know what it is to give love anymore. You have been so beaten down by things that have happened in your life. You are in depression. You find yourself struggling, sickness. Every time you go to the doctor, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop and find out what, what, what next ailment you got. What did I inherit this time? Do I got diabetes? Do I have cancer? Am I struggling right now with, with, with lupus? What am I dealing with? We got so many things and we've gotten to the point that we have a pulse, but we have no life. That's not what God came for. It's not why Jesus died. I want you to understand something today, that Jesus is life. Say that with me. Jesus is life. And I want you to recognize something, is that there is not a funeral according to the Bible. You pick up the Bible, there's not one funeral Jesus went to where he left the dead person dead. There's not a funeral Jesus attended where the dead person stayed dead. Even his own, he messed up. In fact, you take a look at the Bible, take a look at this, uh, Jesus' life, you find that Jesus is walking, he just happens to be traveling to a town by the name of Nain. And it means pleasant. And as Jesus is walking into this town, he just happens to be walking through the gate. And when he gets there, there's a widow who's, who, uh, what's a widow? Someone who's lost a spouse, right? And so this widow, this woman, she's lost her husband already. And now she's burying her only son. And as they're exiting the, the city to go bury her son, Jesus happens to just be walking by, by accident at the time. 
And as he's walking by, he noticed them carrying the casket. They've already picked out the casket. They've already paid the funeral costs. They've already gone through getting him dressed up on what he's going to wear. The whole city has come out for this time to mourn the passing of this man. And as Jesus is walking by, he sees the widow and her son. The Bible says that Jesus is moved with compassion for her. He goes up to the coffin and he says something to him. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us what he said. It just said he said something to him. Then the boy got up. If I'm the funeral director, I'll say, you're still paying for all of this. <laughs> you're ready. It's, it's a used casket. When he dies again, you can take the casket back. And you, the suit, you got to use the suit. And so... He raises him from the dead. I want you to notice another situation. Later on, you see Jesus is on his way to go heal a man by the name of Jairus, his daughter. He's a religious leader in the temple. And as he's on his way to go heal this, this child, she's 12 years old. She, she's sick. And the father's pleading, please go and heal my baby girl. And so I had a daughter who was sick, who was, was dealing with leukemia. And so I understand this, the, the passion of this father wanting Jesus to hill and on his way some woman comes up behind Jesus touches the hem of his garment and she's healed from a condition she's been carrying for 12 years now if I'm the father who just got to Jesus before the woman did I'm like girl I'm happy for you but I got to get Jesus to my baby and Jesus stops heals this lady and in the process Men come and say, don't bother Jesus. Your baby girl's died. I can imagine that if I'm Jairus, if I'm the father, I'm going to give that lady another issue of blood. (laughs) I might start swinging at her because she delayed Jesus from reaching my baby. Oh, come on, somebody. I know I'm a pastor, but I'm also a father. And I, I needed Jesus to be somewhere, and he didn't get there in time. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you prayed and you asked God to get somewhere, and it just seemed like he didn't get there in time? But Jesus tells her something. He says, says, listen, baby, listen, listen, hold on, hold on. If you just believe, it'll be all right. So Jesus walks with them knowing the girl is dead. When he gets there, the room is filled with mourners. And they're all crying. They're all wailing over this baby girl. And Jesus tells them, she's not dead. She's asleep. It's all about perspective. Jesus was looking at things from the perspective of heaven. The people mourning were looking at the perspective of earth. We got to change our our perspectives sometimes. Now, follow me. I'm I'm almost done. Hang with me. Jesus tells them this, and they mock him. These people go from crying to laughing in a moment. And Jesus says, all right, all y'all get out of here. Every one of you mourners, you need to get out. He pushes them all out the door. Every one of them, he pushes them all out the door. says, you, 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 all all you guys out. Only ones that get to stay here is, is, is the parents. And I want my sons of thunder with me as well. The three closest to me, Peter, James, and John, you guys can stay. Everyone else out. Before you have your breakthrough, sometimes there's some people you got to remove from the room. 
Can't have that miracle happen when you got some people you're connected with that need to be outside the door. And Jesus gets rid of them all. Then he goes over to the little girl, touches her, and says, little girl, come alive. And she sits up. And he says, tell him, give him something, give her something to eat. And they give her something to eat. Then, a little while after that, we find Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, is sick. And the Bible says that he gets the message that Lazarus is sick, but he waits two days before he goes to meet Lazarus. Lazarus ends up dying, and Jesus gets there on the fourth day after Lazarus has already been dead. And you can imagine that they're friends. How many of you feel like, man, I'm a friend of God? We sing that song all the time, right? So if we're a friend of God, surely when we ask God to do something, he's going to be there. But Jesus literally waited a couple days before he responds. And we've all been in a situation where we prayed for something. And it's not only do we think, did God hear me? But we know God hears and we wonder, is God going to show up? And we're waiting and things get progressively worse. And the thing about Lazarus is Lazarus is dead four days and the Bible takes great pains to mention four days. Why? Because in the Jewish culture they believed that if you were dead for three days there was still hope of resurrection. But after the fourth day decay began to set in. And after four days there was no hope for resurrection. That's why it was vital for Jesus to get there in three days. But when he showed up on the 4th, he comes to Mary. And Mary says, listen, if you had only been here. In other words, where were you? If you had only been here, my brother would still be alive. Mary says something very powerful. When Jesus tells her, Mary, your brother will live again. And she says, Jesus, I know. In the resurrection, my brother will rise again. She had hope. But Jesus stops her and says, listen, girl, you're looking for an event, and you're missing the person. And many of us are looking for a time when God's going to raise you up instead of recognizing that God is here right now. You're waiting for an event to take place. Listen, Jesus doesn't just have life. He is life. And I want you to understand something here. He told, he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We've all gone through deaths in our life. Deaths of relationships, death of hope, death of dreams. We've gone through a death of, 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 of a business plan, a death of a relationship. We've all gone through some kind of death, something that's let us down. And Jesus is letting her know resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person, and his name is Jesus. And someone here needs to hear me this morning, is that you've given up on some things. Some things have died in your life, but I'm here to let you know something, that Jesus came to raise your dead marriage, raise your dead dreams, raise your dead hopes to raise up your desires raise up your career raise up your business that those things that have died can live again somebody say amen Amen. Jesus came and with the with, with the widow's son he just happened to be passing by it happened by accident even though we know there's no accidents in the kingdom he just happened to be walking by and the casket just comes comes by and he touches it 
with Jairus' daughter, she's alive and he's on his way to heal her and then she dies. So he's on his way. The answer was coming and she passes away. There's many of us that, you know what, whether you run into God on accident, whether you called him and he didn't get there in time, or whether like Lazarus, you called out to God and the very thing that you died, you've lost all hope that it will ever rise again. I'm here to tell you that when you have Jesus, you have life. If you have Jesus, you have hope. If you have Christ, then all things are possible. I want to close out with this statement here. Book of Luke, if the worship team can help me this morning. Book of Luke, verse twenty, chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus is on the cross. And as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says, then he shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. I don't know if you've ever been around someone that has passed away and took their final breath. When my baby girl was struggling with leukemia, she was four years old when she was diagnosed. And when she first started treatment, it was very quick she went into remission. In fact, the Make-A-Wish Foundation sent the family, wanted to send the family to Florida on a trip, and we, we felt guilty taking the trip because she was doing so good. And we even told the Make-A-Wish Foundation, listen, we're, we're, we're good, you know, she, she's doing well, give it to another family that is struggling, uh, that, that the child might not last much longer, and uh, we, she was doing so good, and three months short of her completion date of being done with her treatment, the cancer came back. That was in the first year that we planted this church. And I remember really struggling with God, wondering, God, what is going on? We're giving you our all, and now my daughter is, is, is facing this again. What's happening? Things got really tough because the doctor said there's an 80% 80, 80 chance we're not going to be able to get her back into remission. Now, we had the core blood to be able to give her a to give her a bone marrow transplant. We just needed to get her in remission. But as much as they tried, they just weren't able to get her back in that place. And we, we prayed. And I believe in healing. I believe that God is a healer. But I remember the final day that she breathed her final breath. It was on a Sunday morning. And I remember my wife and I would take turns sleeping with her when they sent her home. And that night my wife had slept with her and I just happened to be walking by her room and I could hear her ask her mom, said, Mommy, where's Daddy? She, she knew. She knew her time was about coming and she wanted Daddy there. Doing my best to hold this together, so... I told her, baby, I'm right here. I walked into the room. And I asked her, can I lay down next to you? 
She goes, yeah, Dad. And so I laid down next to her, and she goes, Mommy. She was talking very clearly, very lucid. It wasn't like she was gone or anything. She said, Mommy, I love you. And she looked at her and said, I know, babe. I love you too, baby girl. The final words of a person reflect who that person is and what's valuable to them. She didn't want her toys. She didn't want her things. She wanted the people that were important to her there. Laying down next to her as I laid next to her. Just closed her eyes and I'm rubbing her head and she's laying there and she just smiles. And then we hear the last breath. All I could hear was There was no struggle. But there was a peace because she knew that her breath wasn't just going in the air. But that her breath was being given back to God. See, in the beginning of time, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and blew his breath into mankind. Only man did God lend his breath to. And the Spirit of God, was we, man was created to carry the breath of God. But when Adam and Eve sinned, the breath of God, the Spirit of God returned to the Father because God can't dwell in sinful beings. And so from the book of Genesis all the way into the book or the Gospels, they would sacrifice animals in order to cover sin, not to fix it, just to cover it. And so the Spirit of God would fall on a person and then come back, fall on a person and then come back, but never dwell inside a man. When Jesus came and he hung on the cross and he breathed the final breath, just like my little girl, and just it was a breath of trust. It was a breath, that final breath, Jesus was saying this, I give up my breath so that my breath can once again live in man again. That man doesn't have to be dead, but that man can be alive and I can breathe into him. So I close with this, this verse here. I want you to take a look at 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, you see, just as death came into the world through one man, someone say one man. It's talking about Adam. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. I didn't bring you here this morning to depress you. Jesus gave up his life so that we can enjoy ours. In Luke 24, it says, the women came looking for Jesus in the tomb. 
And this is the hope that I have in my heart for my daughter as well. This is where my whole hope is connected to is right here. That when the women went looking at the tomb for Jesus, an angel met them there and said, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I'm here to let you know something. That if Christ rose from the dead, then we have hope. That there's nothing that dies in our lives that won't rise again. There's nothing that dies in our lives that doesn't have the hope to rise again. And I'm here to encourage you today that if it died, it's not over. That if Jesus rose, there's a hope in your life that you can rise up as well. That Jesus isn't in the grave. He rose again. He's not in the grave. He is alive. And because he's alive, you're alive as well. Someone shout praise unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet with us as we close this morning? Thank you so much for your patience with me. I remember when my daughter passed away, she was my she was my little princess, my little girly girl. And when she passed away, my mom told me this. She says, son, mijo, I, I was concerned about you. We had just planted the church. She goes, I was afraid that you might turn away from God as a result. I was afraid that you would be so upset at God that God didn't come through the way you wanted him to. That you would have walked away from the church. And I even had some friends of mine that threatened to walk away from God because of my daughter's passing. I'd never been so offended in my life that you would use the excuse of my daughter passing away for you to walk away from God. Because that's not the way she lived. That's not the way she operated. She believed in God to the very end. And she even told us days before, she goes, Daddy, they're coming for me. I said, what, baby girl? She goes, they're coming. There, there were angels in here earlier. They said that they're going to come back to come get me. And I was, I was interested, how'd they look? Were they big? Were they strong? I mean, because in my mind, angels are huge and rocked and everything. She goes, no, they were little angels. And, and I was like, I don't, didn't believe that there were little angels. But you know what? I just believe, and this is, again, you, this is just my idea, the way that God didn't send the angel in its, in its strength and beauty and majesty, but he sent something that she could relate to, something that wouldn't scare her, something comforting. And I need you to understand that heaven, how, Pastor, how can you preach this message so con- with so much conviction? Your daughter died. You're talking about life and your daughter died. How can I not? Heaven is a much more real place to me now. It's my hope to see her again. The Bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses. I want to make my baby proud. So right where you are, heads bowed and eyes closed for one moment. No moving around. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.